So this morning we are beginning our study of the book of Jonah. And I was thinking uh, today, we're, we're kind of going through kind of an introduction of the book and some things maybe to be looking for, to be watching for. And uh, so I thought the way to, the way to kind of begin this morning, um, when our kids were little and before bedtime, we would read them different stories. And we got this book called the Rhyme Bible Storybook, and it's gone through all three of our kids. And, and uh, we would read a story, and, and there's a story of Jonah in there. And so I thought I'd read this to kind of kick us off this morning. And uh, <clears throat> don't be alarmed by my voice. It's my reading to children voice, so you can kind of bear with me. Um, the story is called, Where Did Jonah Go? God spoke to Jonah. He said, go, go, go. But Jonah didn't listen. He said, no, no, no. I have hecklers of like four people in this room. Anyway, Jonah ran and tried to hide. He found a ship and went inside. But God sent stormy winds outside to blow, blow, blow. These pages historically stick together. There we go. Jonah told the sailors, you should throw, 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 throw me out, and then the storm will go, go, go. But swimming in the deep blue sea, a fish was waiting hungrily, It swallowed Jonah easily. Oh, oh, oh. Jonah prayed inside the fish, so, so sad. He said to God, I'm sorry. I was so, so bad. The fish threw Jonah on the sand, and Jonah heard the Lord's command. Go and preach in other lands. Go, go, go. And Jonah said, can you guess? Yes, yes, yes. I hope you enjoyed my reading this morning. Um, perhaps a little bit of light in the darkness. But um, we want, I wanted to kind of begin that way because it seems that, that we have... Oftentimes, we grow up with almost misconceptions with Jonah. It's interesting that Jonah, stories like Jonah from the Old Testament and, 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 and Noah's Ark and, and even, even David and Goliath, it seems like those stories are, are always in these children books. And, and, and really, if you think about the stories themselves, those are the worst, most inappropriate stories to read to children before bed. I mean, Noah and the Ark is basically about everyone on earth being wiped out except Noah and his family. And, and you've got David and Goliath, which, which is, is not exactly a, a story that probably breeds good dreams for children at night. And, and then you've got Jonah, uh, a, a prophet of God who, who has this traumatic experience and, and is, is in this huge argument with God. It just seems like uh, these... These stories aren't really kids' bedtime stories. And uh, it's, it's interesting that if you ask people about Jonah and the story of Jonah, 
the thing that sticks out the most and the thing that everyone seems to focus on is, is the fish. And the reality is that Jonah is not about a guy and a fish. In fact, the fish is only mentioned in two verses in the entire, in the entire book of Jonah. And so I want to begin this morning by reminding us the purpose of Scripture and then kind of looking at the purpose of Jonah and why we would even be studying this book. And so we need to remember that Scripture is, is not given to entertain children or to teach us about fish. The purpose of Scripture is to reveal the character of God and reveal the character of Jesus to us and his purpose to us. And so Jonah... Jonah is the story of a prophet, of one of God's prophets, who actually resented the character of God. That one of God's own prophets, one who was set apart, chosen by God to speak his word, actually resented God's character. The part that God loves evil people. That God loves and cares for evil people. Not because they're evil, but because they're human. That God loves and cares for evil people, not because they're evil, but simply because they are human beings. And so really, Jonah represents God's people, actually. Those who follow Jesus. Through whom God chooses to do his work in this world around us. And so when we read the book, when we read this book and we, when we process it, we find that it's not actually about just one man's struggle, but it's actually about you and I and our struggle. Our struggle with, with, with really those places that are dark inside of us, those places that, that really aren't surrendered to God, those things that haven't been placed in alignment. In fact, Jonah explains us, us at our worst, our pride, our hard-heartedness, our judgmentalism, our tribalism, and our, and, and our adversity to change and grow from what we are to what God wants to transform us into. That's what Jonah represents. And, and, and really, Jonah is, is his, his story is, is really our story. It's not just about him, but it's about us. And so, so really, as, as we introduce Jonah this week and as we walk through each chapter in coming weeks, my challenge to you is to, to really look at Jonah and look to find yourself reflected in him. Not that we want to reflect Jonah, but we do. And we need to be aware of those things. And, and, and so if you, have, if you have your Bibles handy, I want you to turn to Jonah chapter 1. And I'm just going to read the first three verses as we introduce the book of Jonah. Verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship, going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. So the first thing that it says in the, in the book of Jonah, it says, now the word of the Lord came, and then it says to Jonah. Jonah is a, is a book found among the prophets. It's a, it's a prophetic book. Prophetic in the sense of it is a book that recounts 
what God says to his people in a given time. Sometimes that prophetic focus is on the present. Sometimes it's focused on the future, but here it's focused on the present. And all books of the prophets begin this way. All of them, they begin with, now the word of the Lord came to that prophet. And usually it follows with a message from God, either in poetry or a vision or a dream or a call to repentance or a call to judgment or something like that. But all the prophetic books begin that way. And the books are about a message that is spoken on God's behalf through a person who is set apart for that reason. And it's, it's not just a person who's speaking words that are similar to God's word, but, but God's very words that he gives to them to communicate to either God's people or people who don't even believe in God, but, but God is trying to communicate to. But what's interesting about the book of Jonah is that Jonah tends to deviate a little bit from what we see in prophetic books. You see, the, the book of the prophets, they, they really are uniform in the sense that, that it, they are God's word to his people through a prophet. And so God speaks his words, he tells the prophet what to say, and then the prophet goes out and tells those words to God's people. But Jonah's different in the way it's constructed in that it is God's word to his people through a story about a prophet, not through the prophet. Because you see, we don't really hear Jonah repeating God's words in this book. When it says in God's word, the, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, it doesn't say, and God told him, say these things. And it said, go to Nineveh and, and tell them that, that their evil has come up before me. But he doesn't necessarily go through all of the specifics of what that message is from God. And so rather than be, being a, a God's word through a prophet, it's God's word through a story about a prophet, about his actions, about his behavior that God is trying to teach us something through. We still see the same elements, but the way of communicating is unique among the prophetic books, which has kind of led the, the, the nature of it and the style of it and the way that it's communicated has, has kind of resulted in two different Orthodox, meaning uh, appropriate and, 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 and right and true. Um, orthodox understandings, uh, evangelical understandings of what really the book of Jonah is. And there's really two orthodox views. The first one is that Jonah is a historical account. That Jonah is very similar to the Gospels, the life of Jesus. That it is a story about a prophet and what happened, what he did, and, and what happened because of what he did, and the conversation between him and God throughout. That it's just the historical record of what happened with Jonah. The other orthodox view is that Jonah is a narrative parable. That Jonah was a prophet of God, but the story of, of, of his call to go to Nineveh, and his rebellion against God, and his disappointment with God was really uh, like the prodigal son parable or the parable about the rich man and Lazarus, that it's this narrative parable, like those stories that Jesus would tell that had a very specific point for the people to hear and then follow and obey. 
And so those are, those are probably the two most legitimate approaches to the book of Jonah, that it's a historical account, or it might be a narrative parable because of the way it's written and the details inside. I tend to land on, on, on that Jonah is a historical account. Um, I don't stand, uh, you know, on that and say that it couldn't be a narrative parable, but, but that's where I land with it. But the reality is that either way, either approach, either, either category that, that you place the book of Jonah in, the message of Jonah is very, very clear. It couldn't be more clear. And so, and so as, as, we, as we get into this book, I want us to understand who we're talking about and what God wants us to be watching for. And so really, one question is kind of, who is Jonah? And, and, and Jonah begins in verse 1. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. And then he tells him to go to Nineveh and, and preach repentance. In the Old Testament, names had significance. And the, and the name Jonah means dove, which represents purity or innocence. And it says he's the son of Amittai, and Amittai, the name means faithfulness. So Jonah's full name, Jonah, the son of Amittai, is, is almost, almost sounds like sarcasm because what it basically means is purity and faithfulness, which is anything that, but what Jonah was. Jonah wasn't pure in his, his approach towards God and other people. He wasn't faithful to what God called him to do until God forced him in that direction. And so it's really interesting that his na the name itself, Jonah, the son of Amittai, seems to be something that actually is saying the opposite of his apparent character. In the Old Testament, we see Jonah appear once outside of the book of Jonah, and that's in 2 Kings 14. Verse 23 reads this, In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria, and he reigned for 41 years. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. He restored the border of Israel from Labohamath as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Geth Helper. And, and so we see this, this story in, in, in 2 Kings where Jonah is called by God, a prophet, to go to Jeroboam too and to prophesy. And basically the prophecy that he spoke was that God would increase Israel's national territory under Jeroboam too. Now, we also need to remember that Jeroboam is described as a king who did evil in the sight of the Lord. He, wasn't, he didn't follow God's calling. He didn't follow God's rules. He didn't, follow, he didn't obey God's commands. He was evil and he did evil. Yet God called Jonah to go and give him a positive, preferable message that Israel's territory would be restored. But it's interesting because, because Amos later, who was a, a contemporary of Jonah, in Amos chapter 7, he actually comes to jo Jeroboam too and, and kind of gives him 
a different message than what Jonah was called to give to him. And in Amos 7, verse 10, it says, And then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, and this was the prophecy, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from this land. That Amos, God called Amos to go and, and almost reverse Jonah's prophecy because of Jeroboam's and Israel's wickedness, that Jeroboam would be killed and that Israel would go into the hands of Nineveh and that they would be then slaves and, and captives of Nineveh. And so we see Jonah show up in that, that place in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jonah's mentioned by Jesus in Matthew chapter 12 where there's some scribes and Pharisees wanting Jesus to show them a sign of his power and who he is. And Jesus responds in verse 38. He says, An evil and adulterous nation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. It's interesting, it says that Jonah's hometown was, was, was Gath-Hepper, which was three miles from Nazareth, Jesus' hometown. Likely a, a, a pretty popular story in that region of Israel. What we know of, of Jonah, what we can piece together from, from the book of Jonah itself and, and kind of looking at the role that he had and, and maybe even how he began to see himself is that we can, we can come to a place that Jonah's worldview was that he was an ardent nationalist. He was pro-Israelite and anti-foreign nation. And it's interesting because he's the only recorded prophet in Scripture to actually run away from God. You know, there's prophets who argued with God. There was prophets who were depressed after God moved through them. But there wasn't any other prophets who ran away from God. But Jonah ran away from God, which makes me wonder if he, he was familiar with the psalm written by King David, Psalm 139, where he writes, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. And so there's a reality that even though Jonah ran, he probably had some knowledge that it wasn't going to work out the way he had planned, but he still ran. And it seems like from what we know of Jonah, that saving Nineveh or giving Nineveh an option, an opportunity to repent, would not fit the legacy Jonah seemed to be intent on having. That he was a great prophet of God who under 
his time of being a prophet, Israel flourished and prospered. And he had nothing but good news for Israel. And maybe that he would prophesy gloom and doom for other nations and that God would execute his wrath on nations that had wronged or were enemies of Israel. But that doesn't seem to be what God was calling Jonah to do in the book of Jonah. And so as we, as we kind of familiarize ourselves with Jonah and kind of set aside the children's stories and, and the uh, kind of uh, the focus on the fish, there's some things that I want us to watch for as we begin studying Jonah, as, as you read Jonah and as you hear us preach about this book. I want you to watch for some things in Jonah because I want you to watch for some things in yourself, in us. Because Jonah is, is one of those stories that, that, that is best used for significant self-reflection and, and self-examination because it's a story about us. And so there's two things that I want to throw out to you that I want you to watch for in Jonah and then begin to look at your own life as well. In verse 2, God says to Jonah, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah refused to flee. He refused, and he rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went as far as he could to get away from the place that he was going to. The first thing that I want us to watch for in Jonah and to see in ourselves is what I would say is a competing vision. Because see, in Jonah, what we see is a competing vision, a vision that Jonah had for his life and what his legacy would be and what he would be known for and God's vision for his life. Because you see, we all have a vision for our life. I don't care who you are, you have a vision for your life. You may have never expressed it to someone else because you're afraid to or maybe embarrassed or you're, you think it's too grand or it's, it's whatever, but you don't want it to be critiqued by others. But we all have a vision for our own lives without exception. And the reality for every one of us is that when we surrender our lives to Christ, God's vision will be inconsistent with that vision. There may be elements, but the reality is that my vision for my life and God's vision for my life are two very different things. Because it's impossible for my vision to contain the hard things that are part of God's vision to shape me into the image of Jesus Christ. And so the question for us that we have to struggle with and that we need to be self-reflecting on and taking a self-assessment as we walk through the book of Jonah is what do you or what will you do when your vision doesn't line up with God's vision? Because it won't. And you've got to figure out what you're going to do with that. Are you willing to trust God and let go of your vision for his vision? 
And I think on a big, like 50,000 foot level, maybe that's an easy choice to say, yeah, you know what? I, I, I love Jesus and I've surrendered to Jesus and I'm committed to walking with him in the big picture. And that might be a, kind of easy. But in the specifics and in the moments where your vision clashes with God's vision, are you really gonna trust him and stick to it? Or are you gonna run like Jonah did and try to flee the presence of the Lord and run towards your vision? This is a really hard thing. And if you haven't experienced yet, you will if you are a follower of Jesus. I have a vision for my life. I have a vision that, that has been brought more and more into alignment with God's vision. But when I run into those things that, that are difficult and I don't want and I, I don't think I deserve, there's a desire to put away God's vision and go my direction. There's been a number of times in my life where I've wanted, and sometimes when I've moved in that direction, away from God's vision for my life. To be very honest with you, the last couple of years have been hard. I've been called to be here at this church. But God's also called me to walk through some things that I didn't have anything to do with. And there's a desire to run a different direction. But God's vision for my life is that I walk through those things because that's how he's going to make me more like Jesus. What might God be walking you through because it's part of his vision that you really don't want? That's a real exercise in humility and surrender to continue to walk with God through that. Second thing I want you to watch for in the book of Jonah and watch for in your own life is entitlement. This is a pretty big theme in the book of Jonah and it's a pretty big theme in our lives as well. Entitlement is defined as a mindset that the world or God in this case owes you something over what he owes others. It's a mindset that, that, that I am better than others, that somehow what I've done or how I've lived causes me to be more deserving of good things than others. It, it results in a double standard for myself and others that, that I want to be treated and I treat myself in a particular way where I treat others in a different way and I see others in a different way. It manifests itself in being manipulative and controlling. We see in the life of Jonah a couple different places where, where this entitlement shows up big time. We see Jonah running and, and when, when, when he's thrown off of the, the, the boat into the water and, and the fish swallows him, there's this, there's this desire that God rescues him. And so God does rescue him. And then later, after he's gone to Nineveh, he's sitting out in this hot sun in the desert and he, and he just is miserable and he says he's gonna die and so God grows this plant and gives him shade and then he's happy because he has shade and then God takes away the plant and Jonah's angry and upset. 
But everything that, that happens to Jonah is deserved. He disobeyed God. He resented God's character. And it's interesting that where we see entitlement with Jonah is in Jonah's gratitude from being rescued from a fate he deserved and then a resentment toward Nineveh's rescue from a fate they deserved. See, the issue here isn't that Jonah did or didn't deserve and Nineveh did or didn't deserve. They both deserved what God was sending toward them. But Jonah was grateful for his rescue and he was resentful toward the rescue of Nineveh. That's entitlement at its finest. That even though I don't deserve this and I've gotten that, I'm grateful, but you know what, God, don't forgive them. God, don't let them off. I know you've let me off, but let's be honest, I'm, I'm more pleasant than them. And that's where entitlement shows. You see, there's this personal creeping entitlement in our lives unless we're very aware and you can be entitled and not even know it. Some of us think that we haven't done the big bad things in life. And so we feel like we should be treated better than others who made some of those big mistakes. Yet the reality is that we are no more deserving than they are. We are no less guilty than they are. So as you walk through, as we walk through the book of Jonah, I want you to keep your eyes out to see where Jonah had conflicting visions with what God had called him toward and where Jonah has this entitlement. And don't just identify that in Jonah's life, but let that be seen in your life. See that. Ask the people around you where they see your conflicting visions, where, where, where your entitlement is creeping through. Because you see, if you read Jonah and don't see your reflection, then you might have reason to be concerned. You are probably blind. Because Jonah really is a mirror to every person with a sin nature. I want to challenge you to watch for yourself here in the story of Jonah as the Holy Spirit brings things to the surface. I want you to watch for yourself and not just see yourself, but recognize that there's something you need to do differently because you've seen your reflection in Jonah. We don't want to be like Jonah. We want to be like Jesus. But unfortunately, we are a lot more like Jonah than we are Jesus. The biggest mistake we can make when studying this part of God's word is to think that we are not like Jonah and that the most important thing about this story is what you think about the fish. I challenge you this week to read the first chapter of Jonah. Spend some time there seeing who Jonah is and recognizing yourself in the story. Let me pray for us. Father, we come before you this morning and God, I thank you so much for the way you constantly are revealing yourself to us. God, I thank you that you are who you say you are and that is not dependent on how it hits us or what we want from you. That God, so often we 
we privately resent your character because of how you treat other people and where we feel like we deserve more. God, I pray that you would help us to see ourselves clearly in the reflection of Jonah. God, I pray that we would open up our hearts and our minds, that we would humbly walk in surrender to what your spirit will reveal about us as individuals and about us as a, as a community. God, that you would help us to see clearly so that we can become more like Jesus. God, I thank you for the way you sustain us and how incredibly full of grace you are. Your mercy and your forgiveness and your salvation and your grace. God, I thank you for that. I pray that we would be so overwhelmed with that that it would be difficult for us to want bad things to happen to other people, even if they deserve it. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.